This is a beautiful day, and I don't want to. I don't want to seem lacking in gratitude. But could we have this weather tomorrow too, please? Could we? Could we go into the early evening tomorrow with this kind of weather? You know what I mean, right? You know what I'm thinking. Man, this is perfect, and it's December, and we'll take it. They um. They decided in the uh, city of Moncton, which is in the Canadian province of New Brunswick, it's the biggest city in that province, in that state, to not have an annual public menorah lighting ceremony, which they had done for so many years, no one can remember the last time they didn't do it. And uh, it became a big controversy and they got a lot of heat for canceling the menorah lighting. Hanukkah starts, I think it's Friday, right? And the Jewish community, of course, led the, the charge in protesting it, pointing out that they had purchased and built the public menorah, so it wasn't even something that the city provided or had to spend any money on, they just won't wanted to do it, and they had done it every year, and they were told a few days ago, we're not doing it this year because it would be divisive. It would be divisive. It would be taking a position in the war between Israel and Hamas. Well, guess what? If you cave in on religious liberty, you have just taken a side in the war between Israel and Hamas. You've taken Hamas's side. I find it interesting that people who claim they want to be neutral are all on Hamas's side. And the definition of neutrality in this conflict is apparently to basically disrespect or take a crap on the Jewish people. That's how you signal your neutrality. Pardon my language, but here's a story from Williamsburg, Virginia. And Williamsburg, of course, has a very proud history in our country. They've canceled their Hanukkah event. Same thing. It would be the appearance of taking sides in the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, A menorah lighting ceremony was scheduled uh, this weekend. A uh, nonprofit group was organizing it. The organizers canceled it over the optics of holding a religious ceremony at a time like this. The concern of folks, says organizer Shirley Vermillion, is that it would feel like we are siding with a group over the other, not a direction we ever want to head. So imagine so misunderstanding religious expression that you think the perfect religious expression is to not take a side imagine imagine the, the either conceit or ignorance of of believing that the perfection of religious expression is not taking a side so all around apparently the world jews are being shut out of their religious observances their businesses, their communities, because 
some cowards don't want to upset the pro-Palestinian side. And again, you are choosing a side if you are placating a side. You are deciding that you would rather have the certainly scrupulous and um, ardent protest and disapproval of the Jewish people in your community because although you might be aggravated by them, you are not scared of them. And by extension, I think you are uh, indicating who you are scared of, who you do think you would have to worry about if you made them mad. You, You can make the Jewish people in your community mad. They won't do anything too crazy. But boy, that other side, well, we've been watching the news. There was a town in Maine that removed the Star of David from their holiday light display and replaced it with a dreidel, which is a little wooden top, because the Star of David was considered offensive in the context of the war. So we're not, we're not choosing neutrality here. We're choosing catering to bigots. And we're, we're signaling we're afraid before we've even been threatened. So, if you're pretending that you're neutral, we, we, we see you, and we know what you're doing. And let's stop pretending that both sides are the same. They're just two sides in a dispute. Only one side is brainwashing its children to chant, Death to the Jews. Only one side is flying airplanes into buildings. Only one side is issuing fatwas. Only one side is attacking subway trains and buses. Only one side is beheading civilians and celebrating it. Killing families in their home and then calling their parents to brag about it like you just scored a touchdown in the big game. And if you think that remaining quiet is going to save anyone, how's that worked out in history? Where's the example, find it for me please, in history of how minding your P's and Q's and staying quiet and I don't want to get involved has worked, has avoided trouble. The people that are taking down menorahs and stars of David and doing other ugly things to Jews should be grateful to the Jewish people and to Israel. Because right now Israel is fighting a movement, an ideology, a sociopathic ideology that is coming for you and me. So they're surrounded by these nuts, and they have to fight him. It's not some sort of noble thing. They're just, they, they, this is it. They have to do it or they don't have a country. But if you think that maybe they won't notice you if you keep your head down and downplay the, you know, 
ixnay on the UJ kind of stuff. You're, it, that, that has never worked. We actually have a whole specific historical example from about 80 years ago. It didn't work. Let me cut to the chase. Spoiler alert. It didn't work. And we already know the jihadis come for us because we were all minding our own business on September 10th. That was a ceasefire. So we see what you're doing. And let me just let you know, it's not going to work. 210-599-5555. Asking you today on the JR poll... A very specific question about the election next year. It looks like Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee unless he's, I guess, in a prison cell. There is no path to victory for any of the other Republican candidates who, by the way, are debating tomorrow night. I don't know why. They're down to four. So the debate tomorrow night is DeSantis, Haley, Christie. uh, How did I get four? Oh, and Ramaswamy. Okay. Just, I think those are the only ones. It's on um, News Nation, I think. I don't, I don't even know what this. I mean, I'm not even interested. But um, it looks like it's him. And uh, the argument against Donald Trump used to be that the Republicans better find somebody else because he can't win. And if by that you mean he can't win because he'll be in prison or something, okay, but if you're, if you're referring to he's not viable, there's some polling that indicates he might be viable. He might be able to win in November. And I've said, for me personally, I'm not telling anybody else what to do, that the way I'm going to decide how I vote is I'm going to vote for the, in, when we're in the, when we're in the preliminaries, I'm voting for the most electable conservative candidate there is. And I think right now that's him. What do you think? How confident are you that Trump would win in November if he's nominated? And let's lay out, let's lay out some conditions that we can be pretty sure about. So if he is nominated next summer at the Republican convention, He will have court dates every couple of weeks. He may or may not be in those courtrooms. He will be um, in the news for those legal battles as much as for anything he says or does on the campaign trail. He will have at least one former Republican politician running as an independent so-called, or a no-labels person. That may be Nikki Haley, that may be Chris Christie, that may be some other Republican to be named later. We also know that we will probably have a sort of outside the Democratic Party former Democrat running for president nationwide. Maybe Robert Kennedy, maybe this Dean Phillips or Joe Manchin. Maybe on the no-labels thing, maybe somewhere else. I guess no labels is a label, so kind of comp- kind of complicated there. But anyway, so Trump's out there, Biden is out there, these other people are out there. The court cases are plowing forward. 
maybe even more revelations, indictments, accusations, maybe stuff with the Trump organization, maybe stuff with the, with his uh, sons. So that that'll be the 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 lay of the land. How confident are you? I'm not asking you how how much you like him. How confident are you that Trump would win next year? Very, somewhat, not. And I mean all kinds of people. I mean people that like him but don't think he can win. I mean people that don't like him and are afraid he's going to win. They're, they seem very sure of it. What do you think? We're going to talk about that. 210-599-5555. The biggest knock on him was electability, that the people were tired of him that he had gone too far that he had he had crossed lines with J6 that he that people were just tired uh, that doesn't seem to be the case and he also has the benefit of running against Joe Biden Joe Biden re-energizes Donald Trump Joe Biden is like youth the the fountain of youth for Donald Trump because he can draw so much energy from simply saying, I, I told you so, and I knew this would happen, and I tried to warn you, and this is exactly what I said would unfold. So what do you think? Jack Riccardi, we're on the eve of wrapping with Jack and looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night sometime between 6 and 8 at Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. More details to come on that. This is it. Big, uh, big night tomorrow night. And, of course, still time to give. If you haven't and you'd like to, you feel moved to, go to KTSA.com, the Wrapping with Jack page. Uh, I, I, I just... I'm fascinated by the amount of delusion created around Donald Trump. I don't mean by him. I mean, has there ever been anyone in public life that you know of or can remember who inspired so much delusion? Like, like we've had popular entertainers, you know, Maybe you like Taylor Swift or, you know, beloved actors and actresses. And um, obviously there are people who think they can sing or act. But, I mean, most of the reaction to a popular celebrity is just enjoyment and admiration. And Trump has made everyone believe they can be president. No one's ever done it. People didn't look at George Washington and go, well, you know, heck, if he can be president. They say that actually Abraham Lincoln was somebody who was so little thought of. Uh, the Doris Kearns Goodwin uh, book about him, which is fabulous, called Team of Rivals, she takes on the, the theme that Lincoln was considered so lowbrow and and kind of you know, uh, doofy, doofy, 
not the word they used then, uh, that scores of his contemporaries thought better of themselves and their political futures and, and thought, well, if he could even get near the presidency, I need to run. But I look at people like Liz Cheney, and what universe, what funhouse mirror is Liz Cheney looking into and thinking, America's waiting for me. America's waiting for the bitter, toxic ex-girlfriend who, as soon as you leave the room, wants to tell you and everybody how you're not really who people think you are. And I've got the goods. Listen to this. Bitter Betty. And all these no-labels, labels, independent, third-party... I think we're past third, right? We're, really now, if you're running, you're like you're like seventh party, right? So is it because Trump's not going to win and there's this void, this vacuum, or, or what, what is going on here? And is your opinion of him different than your opinion of his electability? In other words... Are you of the mind that you voted for him, you were glad when he was president, but has something happened now that you don't think that could happen again, that lightning can't strike again? And people always make the um, observation that he's trying to do what only one other person has ever done, which is win a non-consecutive term. That was Grover Cleveland at the tail end of the... 19th century. But the other thing Trump's trying to do, which is also very rare, is successfully run for president for a third time. Because it really is two strikes and you're out historically, traditionally. And he's run twice. So what do you think? Is uh, Are you confident that he would win if the Republicans nominate him, given everything else that will be going on? 210-599-5555, because really the, the, the biggest argument against him, when when we were first hearing about DeSantis and Haley and all of these, Tim Scott and all of these other people, some of whom are now no longer in it, their spoken or unspoken rationale was, well, folks, we know you like him, but he, he, he is his time has passed. And now you need to look at me. And I've got those ideas, and I've got those policies, and I can do those things, but I'm younger and fresher and not tainted, and they don't have a playbook on me. But, in fact, he's never looked more electable. And Biden being president, not the hypothetical, what if he becomes president, Biden actually being president is what has done that. So 210-599-5555 as we work on the River City Oral Surgery JR poll. And Steve is on the radio. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. There is absolutely nothing traditional about Trump. You made the comment that uh, Trump proved that anybody can be president. For me, well, it actually began when Jimmy and Billy were elected. When those two guys got elected, I said, wow, maybe anybody really can be president. You Hold, hold on. You, you, you totally twisted what I said. I didn't say that. 
Well, I, I did I not say that because Trump, Trump became president, anybody could be president. I said that may be what people are thinking. That's well, what I think Liz Cheney may... is thinking. I, I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that at all. Well, I think that when Jimmy and Billy were elected, that's when I started thinking, you know what, maybe anybody can be president. And then when Barack got in, that's when I said, wow, anybody really can be president. For me, what they're doing to Trump shows anybody can be president. Barack opened the door. Okay, but, but the question we're asking today, I, I get what you're saying, but the question I'm interested in, in getting an answer to today is, and I know, Steve, from talking to you before, you like Trump. Do you believe he can win next year? I believe he is the only one who can win. And I believe that DeSantis will never, never be president. And what Trump proved really? is that why would, not why would DeSantis never? Why would DeSantis never be president? Because you, you just pointed out to me Trump. that Bill Clinton because became president, against... Jimmy Carter became president. What, why, would, why would Ron DeSantis never be able to do something those two guys did? Those two guys didn't go up against Trump, against him. Uh, the, 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 anybody can be president. Yeah, but you said DeSantis if, would never be president. Um, Trump will be now. done in four years if he wins. He won't, he won't, Ron DeSantis won't ever run against Donald Trump again. Ron DeSantis will never win because the Trump supporters who feel that he betrayed Trump and went after Trump because oh, okay. the establishment said, hey, you're our guy. If, if, you, if you'll come with us to the dark now, side. Now, will, that be, true we'll, of, will that be true of everybody that's run against Trump? Will, will all of them be off limits to Trump supporters starting in 2028? I, I think anybody... Not just who's run against him, but I think anybody who's gone up against him, who's taken yeah. a side against him, none of those, none of them will ever. So none, who would be who would side, be the president after Trump then, Steve? Wow, that's really really a hard one to say. Uh, the, you know there there was a I can't remember there was even some candidates that were running earlier here. But that weren't bad mouthing uh, Trump. They weren't bad mouthing him. They were saying I'm. They were they were with Trump. I can't remember their names, but there was a few of them, and there's been a few others I think who have stuck with Trump. But you're uh, saying uh, uh, you're saying essentially Huckabee, that Sarah this Huckabee. Is a, you're, okay. Well, Sarah Huckabee didn't. She's never run for president. But um, uh, you're saying anybody who ever was in the 2016. 2020 or 2024 field will be viewed by Trump supporters as like dead to them. Right. Dead. Okay. All right. I wanted to understand if that's, I want to understand if that's what you're actually, that's what you're actually saying. That's interesting. I wonder how many people feel that way. Um, more of your calls coming up. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. So the, the rationale, certainly behind Ron DeSantis and others, was that uh, they knew that Trump would run again, but they believed, I think they actually believed, that he could not win. Um, that his, um, you know, his, his time was good. Every, everybody running against him acknowledges in some to some degree, that it was a good presidency, that it was a needed antidote to the Obama years and so forth. 
but the premise was, uh, hey, people want to move on. But a lot of that thinking and deciding was very early in Biden's presidency. So if you're like DeSantis or Haley, you were, you were, you had to be thinking about this in early 2021. And the whole body of Biden's work as president has reinvigorated Trump's electability. It's really nothing Trump's done. Trump was right about Biden, profoundly, unquestionably, unavoidably, and Biden has made Trump look better. Biden has negated concerns about Trump's age because Biden is so bad, negated concerns about his um, ethics or business dealings because Biden is so crooked. So the electability thing is off the table. And that's a problem for every other competitor. I I must say, I voted for him twice. I I don't take a backseat to anybody on Trump. But, no, I will not hold the candidacies of his rivals against them in the future. I'm excited that there are conservative leaders going forward like Ron DeSantis and many others. Uh, I like this Doug Burgum a lot. Uh, I like some of the people that looked at running but didn't get in. This idea that if they ran against Trump, uh, they're excommunicated from the church, I, I you know, you, you're in danger of making this about the guy more than the principles or the ideas. He's a, he's a ball carrier. He moves the ball forward. The ball is what matters. Okay. Like when we talk about a, 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 you know, a running back picking up yardage, what we really mean is the ball is now in a better place. Trump carried the ball forward. He gained yardage. What matters is where he left the ball, not him. I look at what's happening right now. I don't think we can um, afford to risk four more years of communists and uh, demonic, uh, God-hating, Jew-hating, freedom-hating, child and childhood-hating lefties. I don't think we can do it. I'm not saying it's the end of the country. I'm just talking about the difference between a bruise and a scar. I'm talking about the difference between damage you might be able to repair and damage you might have to live with, diminished expectations. I, I hear what Biden is planning, or and, and it isn't Biden, but just for shorthand, let me say it that way. I, I, I hear what they want to do with the coal plants and the EVs, and another year of this will be bad enough, but five years of this? I can't even imagine it. I don't know how we come back from that, so I don't want to plan for coming back from that. And and so Trump, to me, is electable, but not inevitable. Like, I, I would say, in answering my own question, I am somewhat confident. Uh, all the factors favor him. The poor performance of Biden favors him. People's frustration favors him. He he was successful the last time people were this fed up. Okay? But what makes me only somewhat confident is him. I, I, I do have my reservations 
about him. I'm pretty sure that if you nominated, say, DeSantis, DeSantis would go off on the Biden record. Uh, he would go off on these principles that he's already employed in governing Florida. The, the guy is is very single-minded. And what you saw in the debate with uh, Gavin Newsom is he's he's done his homework. He's almost too focused. He's almost too of a type A personality. But but he, he won't go in the weeds. He won't forget why he's out there. won't get drawn into a feud with some anchor woman. The, the problem with Trump is you don't know when he, <clears throat> when he will derail himself. And, of course, he has enemies, and he has people that are trying to keep him off ballots and keep him out of the, the campaign hustings and put him in courtrooms and maybe put him in jail. And I don't think those things are as big a threat to him as he is. So my concern about him is not that he's not electable, but is he, can, he, can he stay on track? He's got 11 months in which he needs to stay on track. And they have to win by a lot. You know why. They can't, they can't say, well, we hope to pull out a close one. There will be no close. Republicans will not win any close elections anywhere anytime soon. He would have to win by a lot. He would have to win some states that no one thought he was going to win, that would be surprises right up to election night itself. You know, maybe a Virginia, uh, maybe a state in the Northwest, maybe even a New England state. He'd have to win more electoral votes then he is projected to win. If it is close, or if it's sort of like the split from 2016, the, the steel is already planned for that. They've got that all figured out. The, the machines are programmed. The steel is programmed. The scripts are written for the network commentators. They're not going to get away with that. So it, it, it's either a Trump landslide or it's some kind of close win uh, for the Democrats. But, I, yeah, I, I, I think he can do it. And again, the, the real reason why is Biden makes the case for him. Everybody else can run against Biden, but only, only Trump can say, I, I tried to warn you. I told you. I predicted. This is exactly what I said. And he's great at that. He loves saying that. So that's where I'm at on it. I'm not being coy when I tell you that when we get this close to wrapping with Jack, it's tomorrow night, by the way. I really don't know where we're at or how we're going to do or how many people are going to come. Uh, and I'm not, again, I, I'm, I'm shooting straight with you here. We don't, we don't have, uh, we don't, people don't RSVP. You don't have to have a ticket. So we invite everybody and anybody to just show up and be a part of it between six and eight at Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. We don't know w- what they will bring with them to donate or how many will come. We don't know exactly how we stand in the final hours of the, donation push but here to talk about it and 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 tell me that everything is going to be fine is katie white from family service association uh katie it's good to talk to you looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night and we're just you know it's it it, now it's all about faith right yes hey jack everything's going to be fine trust me (laughs) she's she's had a lot of practice We're so excited about tomorrow to be at Blue Bonnet are, House. Yeah. We're wrapping with Jack. It's just going to be so wonderful. Um, folks have been so supportive this year, and 
with it. We've been able to make sure we have all the toys there for tomorrow night. We've got the wrapping paper. We've got the scissors. We've got the tape. All we need is y'all to come out and have a great, wonderful time with us. We can't wait to see you and uh, share the Christmas love and joy with everyone. I'm excited to have new people. I'm excited to have people that maybe have not come before. Um, so let's do a few frequently asked questions, Katie, okay? Because I know you can answer these easily. You could like you could do this in your sleep. Do I have to bring paper, tape, scissors, bows? Do I have to bring any of that? No, you don't have to bring any of it. Um, of course, if you want to bring it, fine. But, you know, you don't have to bring that to show up. Okay. Can I bring gifts if I didn't drop them off at the donations? Like if I go shopping after work tomorrow, is it okay to bring stuff to wrap? Definitely. Absolutely. Do I need a babysitter or can I bring the kids? <laughs> you can bring your kiddos. It's a, it's a wonderful event because it is the entire family for all the families that we're supporting. It's, it's unique yeah. and wonderful in that way. I was uh, talking today about how um, we we started seeing, especially after 9-11, we started seeing a lot of people come alone who were either uh, military spouses or, in some cases, military widows. And I know you've seen the meme, you know, every year it's somebody's first Christmas without their person or apart from their family. And so you can come to this alone. We We encourage groups and co-workers and families but if you're if it's just you you will come alone but you will not be alone absolutely yeah it'll feel like a big family yeah. um just yeah. side by side it's a really the the feeling there is just it's pure joy and and just everything that you could ever hope want and uh, and just the ability to connect with others. There's nothing like yeah, that. You really should yeah. come out. I love seeing people get around a table and turn into like a little unit, you know, where they're <laughs> they're conspiring on how to get the stuff wrapped and who's going to do what and passing stuff over and can you hand me the scissors and um, people get very excited and, and before you know it, you're working together with people you just met. So six to eight p.m. Uh, it's easy to find. It's on Lookout Road in Selma, Blue Bonnet Palace. We'd love to have you there. It's our uh, Wrapping with Jack for Family Service Association. And, Katie, you're a big part of it. I appreciate all the hard work you and everybody does, and looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Oh, I can't. we can't wait. Everyone is so excited. I'm so grateful for everyone who supported. Uh, the whole team, everyone is just so grateful. So we can't wait to see everyone. So please come, bring your Christmas joy and cheer, and let's let's wrap some presents. All right. Thank you, Katie. See you tomorrow night. Katie White from Family Service Association, 210-599-5555. Let's see. Robert is next on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Hi, Robert. Hey, how are you doing, Jack? Hey, Robert. Listen, Jack, I think it's a great question you asked. You know, because uh, I've been thinking about that myself. And I've been thinking, you know, unfortunately, I watch a lot of One American News Network. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they show that's the only station that showed real footage of what was going on behind the scenes and the, causing the fraud. But it really made me think there's a big machine. They're going to control who's going to get elected, who's not going to get elected. It doesn't matter if it's Trump mm. or anybody else. Mm. I, this is my personal opinion, right? It's that I think that um, they're going to control it. It doesn't matter who runs 
this big machine is going to do it. They're gonna, they're gonna well, let's say it. that you're right, Robert. Let's say that that's true. Then if if that's true, then don't you have to nominate the person who will be most likely to expose that and call that out and also the person that is most likely to get the 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 maximum number of votes because the more votes that person gets the harder the fix is to do right yeah i agree absolutely agree. so in that sense it it would matter who you nominated i mean it would matter if you nominated a strong candidate versus a weak one true true and, and i think that but i mean what I'm trying to say, too, though, is that Trump was a strong candidate last time. I mean, very strong. And Biden was in, this, in the basement. He, he hardly ever. Yeah. Yeah. And he wins. I, gets the most vote ever. You know, I'm ever. Going, um, I'm going, <laughs> yeah. it, this, this machine doesn't matter if it's Trump. Yeah. It's, yeah. Such, it's such a huge machine that. Yeah, uh, I just don't know. I, you're making a really good point, and I don't disagree with you. I just I do think what we do in response to knowing that still matters. Like I, I yeah. if, if it didn't matter at all, I'd say you know nominate me. I mean, you're nominate Robert. But, yeah. but but I actually think there are ways to counter what you are right is undoubtedly you know being planned uh, as we as we speak. Robert, I got to hold you, but thank you for the call. Great point. Jr. Poll question powered by. River City Oral Surgery. How confident are you that Donald Trump would win in November? Not asking you about how ardent your support is for him, but uh, how viable, electable, or not you think he is next November. Remember, he's running against Biden. He's running against all these other people that will probably also be on some of the ballots or all of the ballots. He's running against the machine that Thomas was just mentioning. He's running against the... um, the incessant drumbeat of both media coverage and prosecutions. Uh, Howard writes to Jack at KTSA.com, look, if the Republican Party does not have a good majority of at least one of the houses, it wouldn't matter if Trump did win. He would be impeached over and over uh, with a different person. Uh, the age won't need to be sharpened. I don't know what that means. With a different person, the age won't need to be sharpened. Sorry, that I missed that part. But 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 to the point about uh, a Democratic Congress would impeach Trump over and over, um, maybe so, but uh, I, I think they might also impeach uh, any other Republican president. Like, do you really think that is not an option when some other Republican president is appointing conservative Supreme Court justices or auditing the books on Ukraine or, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking that, uh, impeachment card gets played no matter who it is, but it's easier to play with Trump. That's true. The, the real, uh, panic of the moment with Trump, and it's interesting because in pivoting to this, his enemies seem to be suggesting that they're losing faith in the legal options, you know, they're almost letting us know without coming right out and saying it that they've already realized trying to pin him down with 91 indictments is not going to is not going to work or is not at least not going to discourage people who are considering him. So the new panic about Donald Trump is that he is a destroyer of democracy. 
that um, his plan is to institute a dictatorship of fascism to unite um, all the dark forces, you know, pull it all together into one Death Star-like conspiracy. Authoritarian is a word you hear a lot. Dictatorship is a word uh, you hear a lot. And they pair it with these passionate pleas to preserve democracy. All of a sudden, the people that oppose Trump are the most uh, ardent admirers of the American way and American tradition. And we've got a great country. We can't let him happen to it. And this is quite a pivot for these people. These were the people that were tearing down the statues and renaming things and disparaging the founding as being white slave owners and Eurocentric dead white guys. And these people who previously had no use for norms and, and American history and the Constitution now claim to be its biggest defenders. You're going to have to have total amnesia to fall for this. You would have to have completely missed the last four years. But there are people who will fall for it and are falling for it. But when somebody comes at you with the authoritarian dictatorship thing, it's hard to know whether you should ask them for an example. Like, when when did he act like a dictator? Was it when he wouldn't leave the White House after losing the election? Was it when he tried to cancel the election or change the terms of the election? Because he didn't do any of those things. You, you guys did that. You guys changed the way we conducted the last presidential election. He didn't. His party didn't. Your party did. He isn't talking about adding justices to the Supreme Court. You are. Or term limiting or age limiting the Supreme Court trying to turn it into a another version of the Senate. You guys are doing that. He's not proposing that we abandon the Electoral College or the Constitution's dictums for how we choose presidents and congresses. You guys are doing that. In fact, right now, it looks like if there's going to be any amending or ending of the Constitution, or for that matter, if there's going to be any ending or suspending of democracy... Uh, not only does it look like it would be the Democrats trying to do it, but it looks like in some ways the Democrats are trying to do it. I mean, how many things have we seen done with fiat in this administration? The whole green energy package is bereft of an actual vote in Congress. You, you've not been asked, you've been told about EVs and dishwashers and air conditioners and what have you. So the panic about his being an authoritarian or a dictator is coming from the people whose leaders are authoritarian and dictatorial. Um, Of all the things I might worry about Trump bringing to the table, that is not one of them. In fact, I, I would say, and I can't speak for anybody else, I'm worried that he won't have enough control I'm worried that he would be, and I think was, 
weak when it came to the executive branch. Now, before you get mad at me, what I mean by that is he knew what he wanted, but he couldn't impose his will. He gave the orders, he gave the speeches, he told us we're going to do this, this, and this, but the executive branch, the deep state, which I don't think he understood when he started using that term, but probably understands it better now, defied him. You know, this is like a football team where you go into the huddle, and typically in the huddle, the quarterback is is giving everybody the play, and as long as everybody runs their route and blocks their man, the play will probably work, but you can tell right away when somebody runs the wrong route or has the wrong play in his head, and the ball gets thrown to nobody or to an open field or what have you. Quarterback gets sacked. Trump went into the huddle, gave the play, and the permanent deep state of the executive branch flouted him. Just blew him off. The players went off and did their own thing. Over and over and over again. That's not a dictator. That's somebody that doesn't have control or enough control. Uh, so the promised swamp draining will only be accomplished if he is much, much more authoritarian than he was last time. But this idea that, that we're worried he'll be too much, so no, I'm, I'm worried that he won't be enough. 210-599-5555. The other thing that's interesting about this panic, trying to scare people into thinking that he's going to wreck the country we all know and love, is that they're not teaching young people to know and love it. How do you simultaneously claim to be the protectors and defenders of the country we know and love when we have an education system that doesn't teach civics or the Constitution or the founding or the uniqueness of America? We're not raising a generation to love this country, we're raising a generation to apologize for it and feel guilty about it. And so it's a very weird combination, right? Like we can't let Trump ruin this thing that we're telling young people was ruined from the start and is corrupt and rigged and racist and stolen land. And like, how do you... How do you reconcile how much young people really hate this country with trying to panic them about how this guy is going to ruin the country? Oh, by gosh, by golly, it's time for mistletoe and holly. Tasty pheasants, Christmas presents, countryside's covered with snow. Oh, by gosh, by jingle, it's time for carols and Kris Kringle. It is. You know it's bad when it's Friday night and Bill Maher and James Carville are talking about something that Trump is right about. And it goes to what I was just saying. 
it's a weird theme to say, warning everybody, can't let Trump be president because this country we love so much and its democratic traditions will be threatened by him. Notwithstanding the fact that all of the current threats to it are coming from his opponents. This is, this is what Marr pointed out about the young people on Friday night's uh, show. Listen to this. Cut one. I'm, I'm getting ready for the next Trump term already. Uh, he says he, under, his under his administration, his next one, schools will teach students to love their country, not to hate their country like they're taught now. i got to say, this one doesn't bother me so much. Because I think that, I mean, this is what I see when I see kids demonstrating these progressive progressives demonstrating for Hamas, the most illiberal people in the world, that, oh, good, we're going to give America its comeuppance, asshole America. This is, they kind of have been indoctrinated this way. And Chuck Schumer made a speech this week. He said, anti-Semitism is a five-alarm fire that must be extinguished. This is the highest-ranking Jewish politician we've ever had in this country. He talked about when Jewish people hear chants like from the river to the sea, you understand that means wipe us out by any means necessary. Um, Let me play this for you. This is, um, this is a Harvard um, lecture hall. Looks like students are waiting for the class to begin. So one of those big 300-person tiered seating lecture halls. The students are just sitting there, and then somebody bursts in through the back door, and you get this, cut number four. They're trying to do call and response, just like two other people doing it. 300 people. But um, on the plus side, the students look, you know, sort of mildly exasperated. They're not getting up to leave. They're not going to the student center. They're not joining in the call and response. Uh, on the other hand, uh, this is $73,000 a year to put up with this, to tolerate this. And... We are witnessing in real time with these demonstrations, with the tearing down of the signs, with the blatant anti-Semitic behaviors. We're witnessing in real time the fruits of teaching people to hate their own country, teaching people that this country doesn't deserve its good fortunes and its blessings, that you don't deserve its ideals and freedoms. And essentially, uh, this is why I say everything that's happened in the last three years makes Trump's case. I mean, I think you could argue that his lowest point was when he left office. In January of 2021, he's watching Joe Biden who he doesn't believe won the election, and a lot of us don't believe he legitimately won the election, but we're supposed to believe not only did he win, but he got more votes than anybody ever, more than Reagan, more than Obama, more than Clinton, more than LBJ in the 
tear-stained election of 1964 more than anybody. I mean, he is the greatest figure in American political history, is what we're supposed to believe. So he's watching Biden get sworn in. It's the repudiation of everything Trump has said. But Biden's best day is his first day. It's all downhill from there. Immediately, the wheels come off. It takes no time. And because he's out of the bunker, as the caller mentioned last hour, now people see what they didn't see when he was running. And that's very unusual. Usually, when a president takes office, we've spent a lot of time with the dude on the campaign trail and at events and on our TV screens. And we we really hadn't seen him lately. Now we're seeing him every day, and every day is a revelation. And then the record starts spinning. The economy, the the COVID hypocrisy, the uh, insanity of the Green New Deal, which is a grift that impoverishes people. It's, it's, it's really obscene to use the term New Deal, because whatever you think of FDR, the stated purpose was to bring people, pull people out of economic ruination. The, the Green New Deal sentences you to poverty. It, it ensures you will be poorer, colder, hungrier. There's nothing FDR about it. It hurts all the people FDR claimed to be the voice of. He, he, he has some moxie using that term or whoever came up with it. But anyway, so ever since that inauguration day, and now the events of the last basically two months make the case and change the the answer to the question we're asking on the poll today. How confident are you that if Trump was the nominee on this playing field that we know will have a lot of other players, how confident are you that he would win? 210-599-5555. We're going to talk about that some more and other things as well. Um, and of course, we're getting your votes in on the JR poll, which you can also do at KTSA.com. Rapping with Jack is tomorrow night. We'll be out at uh, Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. Broadcasting live. If you cannot be with us, you can join us on the radio for the whole thing. But I, I always say it's better to be there. We would love to have you there. And we need everybody. We need we need as many donations as we can get. I Because I don't know if we're there. I was not kidding around with Katie White. I We don't know if we have enough uh, items, if we've made our, our mark. We, we can't know until after the event, truthfully, because we never know how many things will be donated on the last day or brought that evening. So I'm just telling you the truth. If I could, if I could give you a, an actual number or percentage, I would, but we don't know. And that's why if you're on the fence about this, if you're not sure about it, if you've been thinking about it, I hope you'll donate and I hope you'll join us and wrap presents with us and be there with us. Uh, tomorrow night. All the details are at KTSA.com and Blue Bonnet Palace is on Lookout Road in Selma off of uh, 35. So there's a couple in Colorado 
who are suing their um, school district because uh, this is the Jefferson County Public Schools. Uh, Joe and Serena Wales say they discovered that the school assigned their daughter to share a room with a biological male on a field trip. The school took a trip, an overnight trip, to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. And um, the daughter found out that her roommate was transgender. So a boy who was identifying as a girl. She was uncomfortable about the prospect of sharing a bed with a male student, says Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys. That sentence is the most 2023 thing you're ever going to hear. She was uncomfortable about the prospect of sharing a bed with a male student. I'm so old, I remember when the schools were trying to not have male and female students share a bed. I mean, heck, they would measure how far apart you were at the dance. The school assigned this arrangement. The school wanted this to be the arrangement, but also didn't want the parents to know. Where do you begin? And one of the parents was one of the chaperones on the trip, or else it might have gone forward. Um, The um, school chaperone asked the little girl when she objected if she could just move to a different bed in the room rather than a different room. She was uncomfortable with this arrangement, but agreed to try it for one night. This is from Alliance Defending Freedom. It then took the girl and her parents multiple requests to get her moved to another room. And even then, the chaperones told the girl to lie about the reasons for her move because of the district's overnight rooming policy, a policy that violates parental rights and student privacy by rooming students based on gender identity while hiding that information from other parents and students says the legal firm. So you wonder what's worse, putting them in the same bed because you think that's okay, or lying about it and trying to cover it up and telling children to keep it secret from the adults, which means you know it's wrong. Because if there's one thing we know about human nature, it's that when people think they've done something cool, or admirable, they can't help but tell you, right? They can't help but brag. So all this stuff that is supposed to be all right and copacetic and the new normal is all wrapped in a kind of um, shamed secrecy. Don't tell your parents. Don't show them the materials we're using in school. Don't let them know about our classroom discussion or activity. Don't let them know who we've put you in a bed with on an overnight field trip. I mean, that that's 
That's an admission of guilt, if anything is. 210-599-5555. The, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is just at the beginning. This story is just at the beginning. But uh, the parents have gone to the right people with Alliance Defending Freedom. I mean, they're they're great at this. They're, they're uh, skilled at this kind of thing. Um, I got to... I got to say, I don't know what's going I said this yesterday. I don't know what's going on with John Fetterman. I don't want to overthink this, but right now, John Fetterman seems like maybe the guy the Democrats should run for president. Who would have thought at the beginning of this year we would be sitting around going, I can't believe how much I agree with John Fetterman? Staunchly pro Israel. Trolling pro-Hamas protesters outside the Capitol. Going on The View and calling Senator Bob Menendez the senator from Egypt. Correctly pointing out that in any normal era, the priority would be to remove Menendez from the Senate, not that lying little piglet George Santos from the House. But this might be the best thing he's done yet. You know, Santos, now that he's not in Congress is hiring himself out to do cameo messages. This is what sort of B-list and C-list celebrities do. You can pay them, and they will record a little vignette or cameo, like if you want to wish somebody a happy birthday or anniversary or pull a prank on your best friend or something. You know, There are celebrities who will record personal messages, and you pay them 25 or 50 or $100. And Fetterman hired... George Santos. He must have hired, he must have been his first customer. And Santos just got removed. So Santos is doing this cameo business. It's like OnlyFans with your clothes on. And Fetterman hired him to troll Menendez, who apparently he really wants to get rid of. I think we have that, right, Don? Is that cut number six? Is that what that is? Okay, this is the message that Senator Fetterman hired George Santos to record for Bob Menendez. Listen to this. Hey, Bobby. Uh, look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. Mm. <laughs> man what have we come to all right so so fetterman let me just throw a few things out there maybe these qualities i mean i don't agree with them about a lot of things we would not be simpatico on a lot of issues but maybe these qualities maybe this is what the pennsylvania voters saw that we didn't see. And remember, they knew him before the stroke. So maybe that's what's going on. Like, maybe this is one of those cases where you're going to, um, you're going to have to take him issue by issue. Because I have to tell you, on some of these issues recently, he is not only making more sense than any Democrat, he's making more sense than a lot of Republicans. He is saying what should be obvious. I mean, none of it is profound. 
but it's bold because it's 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 not the party line. It's not what if anyone's feeding him, you know, cues, this is not what they're feeding him. So one possibility is that. Here's another possibility. What if he is actually a tool or a uh I guess you'd say like a like almost like a like a agent X of like Chuck Schumer and the Democratic leadership. What if what if John Fetterman is the guy they've sent out to give the Democrats cover? Because if he goes out there and he says the right thing about anti-Semitism and standing with Israel and the ignorance of pro-Hamas demonstrators, and he was defending the this Jewish restaurant called Goldie's that uh, was the subject of a really ugly, it's a falafel shop, um, I think in the Philadelphia area. He was defending Goldie. What if John Fetterman is like, the fig leaf for the Democrats. Like, because they've deployed him, and he kind of, he's kind of Teflon-coated because Libs and, you know, the New Republic and uh, MSNBC, they're not going to attack him. He's their darling. So he gives the Democrats like a, like a fig leaf. We, they can say, well, we, we, we do have some members that, feel differently than Cory Bush and Rashida Tlaib and the uh, women of the squad, the lovelies of the squad. Look at, look at, look at John Fetterman. He's one of us, too. See, we, we're a big tent. We have a lot of diversity in the Democratic Party. We have different points of view about all of this stuff. We've, we've called out Menendez, Fetterman. I mean, maybe that's what it is. So either he is his own man or maybe he's their man. It would be, be very interesting, right? Of all the people they could have used, what a stroke to use him. Pardon the pun. I didn't mean that. 210-599-5555. Yeah, there's this place in Philadelphia that is it's a vegan falafel restaurant, but apparently it's very, very beloved. Uh, falafel, french fries, other things. Um, basically, Israeli and Mediterranean cooking and um if anything this place checked all the boxes at one time i mean this was a this was a darling of like vegan progressive clean eating environmentally friendly people you know the kind of people that drive electric cars or ride their bikes to work i mean they 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 all loved goldie and then the other night, there's a big crowd outside Goldie in Philadelphia chanting, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. And the restaurant closed out of fear for its employees and, and its facility. So you've got basically these crystal night type scenarios playing out all over the country. And Fetterman came out and called it rank anti-Semitism. And um, forcefully denounced it, saying on Twitter, they could be protesting Hamas, they could be protesting systematic rape of Israeli women and girls, 
or demanding the remaining hostages immediately be released. Instead, they targeted a restaurant. It's pathetic and rank anti-Semitism. Are those his words? Because those are good words. He's calling for Menendez to be dispelled. If they're not his words, is he being used? And if they are his words, were we wrong about him? Or is he getting better? Or what do you think? 210-599-5555. And then the thing with hiring George Santos, I I can't tell you how much I love that. <laughs> Would we call that reaching across the aisle because Santos was a Republican? He, I don't know. It seems like a... Like a very bipartisan thing. Alright, 210-599-5555, Jack Riccardi Show. Chris is on the radio. Hi, Chris. Hi, uh, Jack and everybody else. My my big thing is uh, this is the teacher in Colorado make their kids do the same thing that they're forcing the others. I wonder if they'd allow their children to do what's happening. And as far as uh, Fetterman goes, that's an interesting take you have it. Is he the scapegoat for the Democrats? So look how gigantic our tent is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just throwing that out there. But uh, so let me let me see if I understand what you're saying. You would say to that school district, would you, teacher, administrator, principal, whatever, would you want your son or daughter in a bed with a opposite sex person, uh, classmate? You know, that that's interesting because my first thought when you said that, Chris, was, well, I don't want to punish children for the folly of their adults, right? Like, I don't want to inflict that on another kid. Correct, but... But, I, you know, they probably, in their mind, they probably think, oh, it would be very, um, like, it would be a good experience. It would be very um, uh, educational. Well, I've confronted somebody here in the Northeast before, and uh, I said, but your kids go to private Christian school. Why? Well, and they fumbled around a lot. <laughs> that was the whole point. They they were not, you know, everything for them. Oh, you mean that, that, me. that you, you were talking to somebody in a public, who had a public school job, but whose kids went to a private school? Absolutely, and they were having to teach some of the things, and they're, oh, no, I would not allow that to happen with my kids. Yeah, 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 well, I mean, we saw that all during the masking thing, right? Look how many, look how many people had mask rules for us, but not for themselves. Thank you, Chris. Um, I don't know, it's an interesting question. Are the, are the people in education that, do crazy stuff like this Colorado story, and not only crazy, but evil and sneaky, would they be okay with participating in it? Like, do they put their money where their mouth is? Or are they secretly skeeved by it 
but think it's a necessary, we must break through and get everybody together. I suppose these were probably discussions you, you could have had like 50 or 75 years ago about integration of schools, right? Like, are you willing to do it or are you just only interested in ordering it for other people? So I don't know. It's a good question. What, how would you answer Chris's question? So I was in a uh, gas station convenience store. I'll explain why. <clears throat> um, I was taking my daughter to work and she likes to stop and get like, like you know, the, the, the smart water and the, you know, gets like her healthy snacks and so we were getting those things and we were at a at a qt to do that on the way to work and i'm usually not getting anything depends on what time of day but i wasn't getting anything so i was just looking around i'm just curious i like to I like to look at what's at the gas station like i'm always fascinated by all the different snacks and probably a lot of them i'll never have but what is this what is that it's I, you know i don't get out much and all of a sudden i saw Something that I'd completely forgotten about and that brought back a flood of memories for me. And you're going to laugh because I, I just literally forgot they still made these hostess pies. Remember hostess pies? I, when I was a kid, Don, you may remember this. Didn't they used to come in like a wax envelope kind of container? Mm-hmm. They were wrapped in, like, waxed paper, right? Yeah, yes. Yes, it was. And uh, now they come in a cardboard box. Um, but, boy, I remember when I was a kid, the Hostess fruit pie was the blue chip stock at lunchtime in school for trading. If you were going to trade with another kid, mm-hmm. like, of all the things you could have in your lunchbox, in your you know, action hero metal lunchbox that was rusting on the inside with the little squat glass-lined thermos. <laughs> um, we didn't have Lunchables or juice boxes. You talk about you talk about uh, reusable. Everything was reusable. <laughs> My mom wanted us to bring the the tin foil back home again. She could wrap something else in it. You know. But anyway, um, if you had a fruit pie, you could trade for anything. Of course, you wouldn't trade because a hostess fruit pie was the best thing to have. There wasn't anything better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was better than a Twinkie, a Ding Dong, a Devil Dog, uh, you know, hostess cupcakes. And um, I'd forgotten all about them. One of the things that come to mind was it was hell on wheels just to open one of those packages, remember? You couldn't, you know, it, for some reason, you could not rip the package. It was not, back of, then, packages did not come with, like, a little yes. beginning tear. Mm-hmm. We had to know how to open our own food. Yeah, the kids today have it too easy, you know. There's, like, a little dotted line or a little pull tab. You're right. That's a good, that's a very good observation, Don. I never, that may explain what where we really went wrong in this country, you know. <laughs> the damn, the damn food's too easy for these kids. Uh, how, how are they ever going to learn anything when there's a little hole to punch the straw in for the juice box? And we had to improvise. That's we cool. wanted that food badly enough. We had to tear that sucker open. <laughs> Not to mention we had to carry a metal lunchbox. It always no ergonomics everywhere. there, right? Mm-hmm. No, no shoulder strap or way of, you know, you just had to grab it by the little mm-hmm. plastic handle and you and uh, Scooby-Doo or whatever you had on your lunchbox <laughs> off to school. It would it, it it would splash all over us too because we'd rip the top off or something. Or so, what would be 
I'm going to, I'll tell you what, right now, here's the question. We're going to open up the phone lines. What's your hostess pie flavor? What's your go-to flavor? Don't even think. Just give me the first flavor that comes to mind. I know mine. Apple is going to be it. You knew that, right? He's so boring. Jack is so boring. Apple pie. You going to go with cherry? You going to go with peach? 210-599-5555. There was blueberry, right? Um, lemon. I think there was chocolate. Oh, that was my favorite. Do you remember the chocolate oh, one? Oh, yeah. Is that yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever got chocolate. Why didn't we have chocolate at our house? I have to ask my mom about that. We very seldom had the hostess pie. That was She had four kids. My dad gave her like next to nothing for a grocery budget. My dad had this idea. We, you know, we're, we were 70s kids, but he had her on like a 1920s food budget. I don't know how she did it um, because he, his, his idea of what things cost came from like his own childhood. And she would go around and around with him about, but this is not what things cost anymore. We got we got to have more than this. So anyway, um, what would be your hostess pie flavor? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. And do you remember trading snacks? This was before we knew about food allergies, and there were kids in your class that could die if they didn't get an EpiPen injection. We traded. We were like. We were like CNBC at lunchtime. We were trading and mixing and matching, and I got this, and do you want that? And I'll give you half of this for half of that. And teachers didn't intervene. It was okay. Now, if two kids went to trade, it would be on CNN because there'd be food allergies or, or, or ethnic considerations or appropriations or so what was your hostess pie flavor? 210-599-5555. I did get into trouble for a trade one time. I'll tell you that story. And up north, we had a brand called Table Talk. Did they have that down here? Do you remember that? Anybody remember Table Talk? I think it was a New England thing. It was Table T-O-K. Table Talk. It was a local bakery. And their individual pies for kids' lunches were, were little round pies in a tin. Little ones. Like a coaster. Oh man, those were also like bars of gold. So table talk or hostess? Hostess pie. What's your go-to flavor? 210-599-5555. Uh, Jeff is on the radio. Jeff, what would it be? Right now, you're getting a Hostess pie. What's your flavor? Yeah, I might stop and get one now that y'all mentioned the chocolate pie. I thought I was going to say cherry, but that chocolate sounds too good right now. Do they still make the chocolate? Do you know? Yeah, they do. I, I actually, uh, I haven't had one in a long time, but I, I, know, I've, I know I've seen them. And I, I got them a couple of years ago, and I'm sure they still make them now. Good. Okay. Yeah, I want to try that again, too, because when I was at the store today, they only had, uh, like, apple and, I think, apple and lemon were the only ones they had. Yeah, I haven't looked in a couple of years, but when I used to stop every morning uh, where I used to work, I get I get uh, I get one of those every once in a while. I know I know they still had them. It was at least two years ago, but who yeah, knows now? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, get yourself good. a chocolate pie, Jeff. Right? <laughs> Go do, do it now. Do it while there's time. We never. Who knows what tomorrow will bring, Jeff? I like that. You know what was uh, Barbara about- is on KTSA. Hi, Barbara. Hi. 
my favorite is cherry, followed closely by the peach pie. Mm. Mm. Now, did you ever microwave them? Uh, maybe a few times, uh, just to warm them up a little. Yeah, like 20 seconds, and oh man, that transforms them. I mean, they're good anyway, right? They're good right out of the vending machine, but boy, you, you give them about 15 or 20 seconds in the microwave, you would think, um, it came right off the food network, you know? Yeah, I like, in regular pie, those are my two favorites also. I always wanted yeah. to have pie for my birthday instead of cake because I like pie oh, I so like much that. better. Did, did you ever get to do that for your birthday? Yes, I Good. did. I like that idea. I never thought of that. That's re- that's a revolution. Who needs yeah, cake? We can have pie. Have, I always, yeah, really. Yeah, it's... It's but it's your day. You should get to decide. Very good, Barbara. I like Barbara and Jeff. Like right away, knew what they want. She wants a pie for her birthday. <laughs> Jeff's like, I'm getting a chocolate pie right now. I'm pulling off right now to get one. What was fun about the chocolate pies is you could break them in half and then squeeze it right. You know, squeeze one half of it in the middle and squeeze the chocolate out of it. Oh, yeah. See, It'd be funny like if somewhere like I don't know whatever company distributes this stuff to the gas stations. They're like. Like a month from now, they're going, you know, there was one night in December, we can't figure out why, that all of a sudden we sold a lot of Hostess pies in San Antonio. We, we don't know what happened. It was just one night. All right, so I'm going to assume that you've had them. What is your go-to flavor for a Hostess pie? 210-599-5555. And do you remember trading? Did you do that, Don? Trading snacks and trading lunches in school? We traded sandwiches. We didn't do the snack thing. We all we, okay. So you would just trade. We always like, kept our the snacks because we liked what we had. But it was the sandwiches, you know. Someone it was. Like, um, cause I, I remember asking my daughter when she started going to school and bringing a lunch, um, and she looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, "Oh no, you're you're not allowed to you're not allowed to trade anything or share anything." I said, "Really? Why not?" Well, because food allergies. And then I started thinking: Did we not have any food allergies when I was a kid? I mean. Was no one allergic to any of this stuff? Did that just start later? Or were kids tougher back then, like they could survive the... I, I don't know, because no one no one told us not to do that. And it was done all the time, like you are saying with the sandwiches, too. And um, I did get in some trouble, though. I'll tell you that story. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, running down Santa Claus Lane. Tomorrow night is wrapping with Jack. Hope you can join us. We'll be at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma on Lookout Road between 6 and 8. And if you want to help, these families served by Family Service Association. There is still time to do that. You can donate at KTSA.com. You can order through the Amazon wish list. You can also uh, shop and pick things up in your travels and bring them with you tomorrow night. So we will have things to wrap that have been purchased and donated by others, and you can also bring things and add to that when you come tomorrow night. Uh, 210-599-5555. They still make Hostess fruit pies and snack pies what would be your go-to flavor I'm, I'm i'm sending you back in time back to the lunchbox back to the 
the old days, the school, you know, go to the cafeteria and have lunch, open up your lunchbox, see what mom packed or dad. Uh, what was your hostess pie flavor? Ernest is on the radio on KTSA. Hi, Ernest. Hey, Jack. Uh, yeah, apple was my favorite. Can't go wrong with apple, right? Oh, no. Still eat it all the time. Have you had a hostess pie recently? Uh, I can't remember. I don't remember what the new ones are that are out there. I mean, we're talking, I think when I first ate them in grade school, it was like 50 years ago. Yeah. No, 55 years ago. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I like those. I like the anything with chocolate in them, anything with uh, uh, whatever. And sometimes we get something that was like maybe crushed or broken, you know, and it's just, hey, uh, you know, it's it's kind of messed up. I, those are the ones you try to trade to somebody else. Oh, I see you there. Okay, so if it was if it was a little bit of little bit of wear and tear, you'd go for the trade. All right. Yeah. Uh, Ernest, thanks for the call. Ernest says Apple. Wayne is on KTSA. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Jack. Yeah, I, I, my favorite is pineapple, buddy. Pineapple is good. Oh man, I forgot about pineapple. They did make pineapple. I wonder if they still do. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, man. Pineapple is just when it's in a pie like that, it's just got a good yeah. taste. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that is—I'd yeah, forgotten about that. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the, the food allergy because <laughs> when you said, you know, remember as kids, look, if there was food allergies back then, everybody would have been dead with peanut butter and jelly, buddy. Everybody had. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I, I, either that has come along, like that has developed or or blossomed only in recent years. Or somebody needs to explain how we were not killing each other because we were sharing and trading, right? Like crazy. There was no, there was no worried about germs. Nobody was worried about about you know a- anything. No, and, and look, I mean, the go-to food was a PBJ. I mean, that was number one. Right. And, and right. You know, and I remember as a kid, we were getting mumps, measles, chicken pops. You know, whoever whoever was sick in the neighborhood. Your mom would send you there so you could get sick and get yes. it over with. Yes, that's true. That's the, I don't think Dr. Fauci would approve of that, but that is how we used to do it back in the day. You're absolutely right. And who's to say that wasn't a better way to do it? So one day in the second grade, I um, and I got to say, we we didn't get the hostess pies very often, so I was always looking to see if I could work a deal. But as... Don, I think, pointed out, in order to trade for a hostess pie, you had to have something really good because the hostess pie, whoever had the hostess, they weren't really looking to make a trade. They wanted to keep the hostess pie. And one of my best friends in second grade was this boy from India named Aleem. And we really were close friends. I mean, I we liked each other. It wasn't... So in, in no way was I taking advantage of him. But he opened his lunch, and I opened mine, and we looked at what each other had, and he had a hostess pie. And he was willing to trade it. I don't know why. In fact, it was a lemon pie. I asked him if he wanted to trade. There was no intimidation. We we, we were friends. I, I, if anything, he was bigger than me. And he um, he was like, yeah, I'll trade. And I had something like peanut butter crackers or something that wasn't bad. It just wasn't on the level of a hostess pie. All of a sudden, the the teacher comes along, and she's like the Securities and Exchange Commission. She vetoed the trade. She blocked the trade because she said it wasn't fair. 
And I was really upset. I mean, I almost cried. I was in second grade. And I'm like, how can, how can it not be fair? I want to do it. He wants to do it. It's free country. I mean, I didn't say any of this because I was a good kid. You don't, back then you didn't mouth off to the teacher like they, now, now they would. Now they'd throw a chair at the teacher and call her a biatch or something. But we, we were good kids. We, I just couldn't believe that she was vetoing the deal. And she really was, was reaming me in front of the whole class for making Aleem a bad deal. And he was embarrassed for me because he, he was willing to do it. I almost got that lemon pie. I was this close. And, you know, when I look back on it now, it's like I was a criminal. You know, I was like, <laughs> like I was making some kind of shady deal. I was doing something um, unethical. How, how bad can a second grader be? You know, I didn't have a plan. I saw that hostess pie. I, I, I made an offer. Gotta be, but see, now I think they probably wouldn't allow the trading because of not only food allergies, but what if somebody's got dietary restrictions? Parents don't want them to have this. They're only allowed to have organic. They're supposed to be only eating fruits and vegetables. I mean, it would, it, I don't know how they handle it now. I bet there's a lot of rules. I bet there's a lot of vetoes now. Uh, John is next on the radio on KTSA. We're talking about hostess. Uh, pies. Hi, John. Hey, gotta go with the chocolate. Oh, man. Chocolate is running away with us. Hey, but hey, the other thing, the food allergy problem, it all goes back to GMO. They didn't you have think? allergies until the GMO stuff came around. Yeah, there's actually studies on it. You gotta go look it up. So you think we've done this to ourselves, huh? We have. I mean, there, there are kids yeah. that have been actually eating peanut stuff from real peanuts as opposed to a GMO peanut and have no problems. We oh, I see. All the, all those so the allergy yeah. isn't to all peanuts. It's to the ones that have been altered by human beings. Well, I mean, when you think about it, our, our, our whole world, the water, the air, I mean, it's full of stuff that, that wasn't there 50 years ago. So I guess that, that could very well be the case. That's a good point. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, we would trade snacks and food i was uh definitely less aggressive as a trader after the the scandal in second grade i i pulled back i i think i i think for a while i just went with whatever my mom put in the lunchbox yeah i didn't want to get exposed again i didn't want i didn't want to i didn't want to be uh you know i didn't want a special uh, prosecutor appointed i was only in the second grade there was still a chance i could be president you know i had to be careful uh jake is next on the radio hi jake Hey, good evening. So I'm going to switch it a little bit, and there was the Hostess Cupcakes, and they also had chocolate and lemon-flavored covering. It was just delicious. Oh, yeah, that's right. They had the yellow ones, yeah. Yeah, but I did want to add, I don't know if it's a San Antonio thing or not, but at that time when I was a young kid, we used to eat Bruce's Pies. And oh, okay. two favorites that the two favorites that I can remember, one was a coconut pie in a little tin, maybe like three or four inches at the max. And then there was mm-hmm. a pecan that was just mm. like awesome, awesome. Tiny, yeah. tiny, not a lot of food, but great on flavor. Right. And right. who knows, you know, where it all came from and what, you know, what the chemicals were. But we survived yeah. them. We all, we're all here. Yeah, we're all here. Yeah, I, I think I remember the Bruce's name. I think you're right about that. And, of course, Mrs. Baird makes pies. So every probably every place in America had like Hostess, 
that which was a national brand, it is a national brand, and then like whatever the local bakery or bread company is, they they would make like a competing versions of right because you have like you have like the Mrs. Baird's versions of all the hostess things, and you have the little Debbies, and you have the I don't know some other brands I guess, but uh, yeah. Buttercrust, maybe I don't know. Two ten five nine nine, fifty five fifty five. But I think the I think the hostess pies were probably kind of like uh, one of the early early ones or the forerunners, the founding fathers of the of the snack world. We are right? we are getting some complaints though that uh, the current oh. hostess pies are smaller than they used to be, and and there's less glaze than uh, they're well, they're much smaller because when they were in the wax envelope. They were like, uh, they had a sh- they were shaped differently. They were kind of flat and, you know what I'm talking about, Don? Like they were almost, um, semicircular. Mm-hmm. Like half moon. And now or half they moon. look like the little McDonald's. Yeah. Something pies, like, right? Like, like, like a little rectangle. Get a yeah. water burger or something like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a now pillow. here's another question. While we're on the subject of hand held pies. It's not really true anymore, but do you remember back when McDonald's first had the apple pies? That was the hottest substance yes. on earth. That's right. Was, I don't know how they did. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, there was a warning on the box, and they were not kidding. This was before. Now everything has a warning on the box. But the McDonald's apple pie, mm-hmm. when that first came along, I remember that. <laughs> That was, it was like you were grabbing onto the sun. (laughs) And you would think in the time it took you to eat the hamburger and drink the Coke or the shake or whatever that, okay, now the pie should be ready. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. It was like magma. It had come from like the core of the earth. But here, here was the problem, though. It wasn't so much the outside. It's what you bit into it. That's what I mean. (laughs) The inside of that pie, you could have powered a city. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what device they were heating it in, but they should have just made all their food in that device because whatever they were keeping the pies in, that was the hottest thing you've ever had in your life. Your oven at home couldn't, you couldn't get it that hot, hot. You know, I mean, you couldn't turn it up the high enough to get it that hot. There was nothing hotter than the fresh McDonald's apple pie. More, I'm sure there were more burnt Lips and tongues and gums, yeah, just the roof of your mouth. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was like uh, th- that. W- that was like just swallowing fire, basically. So I don't know how they did it. Merry Christmas, Mr. Buble. Are you ready to sing a little jingle bells? Yes. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh, dashing hmm. through the snow. Kara writes to jackktsa.com. I'm here in Texas now, but I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. That's where Table Talk started. It's a 100-year-old company that makes a full line of pies, including the individual servings you were talking about. I remember those little pies that came in a cardboard box in a small tin, writes Kara, and... I did not know they were still around. I, well, I guess I did, though, because I think I've had them pretty recently. So 100 years old, table talk. But that would be like a local brand, and down here you'd have like Mrs. Baird's or Buttercrust or something like that. Um, 
Let's see what else we got here. Brian says uh, there was a hostess French apple pie that was great, short time only. Uh, Jim says thanks for mentioning throwing it in the microwave. That made it better. Um, George says he puts them in the freezer a little bit before he eats them. Prefers the lemon, apple, and blueberry. I wouldn't have thought to put it in the freezer. Okay. And... um, Barry says, this whole conversation reminds me of coming home on the bus after basketball practice. All of us would eat the hostess pies. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a pretty good, like, one-hander kind of thing. Like, if you're driving, you know, like, you can do it. You, that's a, this is a snack you can do with one hand. So, uh, nice memories. Thank you for all the emails and calls. Sorry if we ruined any diets. There's probably people mad at us now. Like, I was trying to be so good. You had to spend half an hour on the radio talking about pie. Anyway, I never I never promised I'd help. I just promised to be here. Uh, 210-599-5555. Coming up, results on our JR poll. We were, um, of course, we've been talking about Rapping with Jack. And just so you know, the plan tomorrow is we'll have our regular show from 4 to 6. So from 4 to 6... We'll be doing what we normally do. Uh, from 6 to 8, during the actual event, I'll be on the stage. We will be presenting live music and letting everybody know how it's going and what's going on and who's with us at Rapping with Jack. I hope you'll be with us uh, tomorrow night at Blue Bonnet Palace. If for some reason you can't, it will all be on the radio. You'll be able to hear the whole thing. And I believe, Don, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it will also be in the podcast, right? Yes, it will be. Absolutely. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. I'll say that if it wasn't true. You know who, uh, I think everybody knows who um, Sheila Jackson Lee is, right? Sheila Jackson Lee is a congresswoman from the Houston area. She's running for mayor of Houston. And the mayor's race is just a few days away, um, or the runoff for it is. She actually produced, or her campaign actually produced an ad, a get-out-the-vote ad, with the wrong date for the election. The wrong date. In the ad, it says, if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, bring good-paying jobs here to Houston, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right, and I am. And the screen says, vote on December 7th. But the runoff is December 9th. The ad did run on television before the error was caught. So I guess she could, maybe she could like uh, spin it and say, well, I'm so committed, I'm willing to start early. <laughs> I showed up early. I want you to come on December 7th and wait at the polling place until December 9th. I don't know. Do you remember Greg Gutfeld? Greg Gutfeld the other night said something that we don't know if you can say on Fox. So he was talking about Elon Musk and the way Musk stands up for freedom of speech. Musk has been in the news a lot lately for his, you know, GFY comment about his sponsors boycotting X. And uh, this sounds like it might have been a very uncomfortable moment on the set of Gutfeld. Uh, Take a listen to this live TV moment. 
Musk may be the last man standing between real freedom of speech and the suffocating block of the censorship industrial complex, which is made up of government, media and tech forces. He realizes that advertisers have no spine and can be easily cowed by special interest groups in cahoots with political allies. If you don't believe me, I got two words for you. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> ooh, ooh, wow. Wow. Uh, Look at that. Uh. Room. You know, I, lo- I love Greg Gutfeld. Um, what's sad about that clip, I, and I think I, he, it seems like he's okay, right? Like they haven't taken him off the air. Is he still on, Don? As far as I know, he is, right? He was still in the five. Okay. But you know what's sad about that moment? You can hear, and I've I've been in moments like this, and I've seen this, and and I I I think I'm right about this. I don't know who his panelists were that night. I forget, but they all start to laugh, and then choke it down because they're not sure they are supposed to or they can. That's what we've come to. Like, I I, I get that. Comedians, and let's say for the sake of discussion that Gutfeld is is a comedian. He's kind of a comedian. I get the comedians are edgy and they push us, and and part of comedy is is being uncomfortable. You're supposed to when you're when you're when you're watching like a shock jock comic or a uh, you know a uh, a guy like you know uh, I don't know Rodney Dangerfield, let's say, or somebody like that. The whole idea of being uncomfortable and then pushing the limits and stuff. I get all that. When something is funny and you start to laugh because laughter is a natural human reaction and then you choke it down and you stop it because are we supposed, are we allowed to laugh? That's sad. And that's what we've come to. And that's, that's a change for our society. That's, we, we laughed at the George Carlins and we laughed at the Don Rickles and we laughed at the, you know, the, 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 People that shocked and uh, mocked and pointed out the follies of modern life, and now we're checking with each other to see if it's if it's okay. But that's isn't, sad. Isn't that somewhat similar to the fact of it, take any particular office where someone was let go and you worked with someone for quite some time, and then after mm-hmm. that person is let go, the following day mm-hmm. everyone is you know hesitant about talking mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. so you're you're seeing it like it was like a workplace it's kind of like yeah i think so yeah. because every you know i mean but that was a long time ago right yes. when was tucker carlson let go wasn't it, that it has like been several months yeah, ago it has been some time but i i yeah. i think the awkwardness about it is still lingering in that yeah time. i guess so yeah i would think so it it's just you could tell they found it funny and then they all had like a it's a, omg <laughs> Right. Like a you know moment, al- almost like they were afraid that they were going to get the email the next following day. Yeah, that you're yeah. not supposed like the, to talk about took a car. It was like the masks air. dropped on the airplane. All of a sudden, everybody got very serious. The holly green, the ivy green, the prettiest picture you've ever seen is Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. It's nice to know to kiss your bow while cuddling under the mistletoe. And Santa Claus, you know, of course, is one of the boys from home. The door is always open, the neighbors pay a call, 
And Father John, before he's gone, will bless the house and all. How grand it feels to click your heels and join in the fun of the jigs and reels. I'm handing you no blarney, the likes you've never known. It's Christmas in Killarney mm. with all of the folks at home. This is a little, uh, little gem, little Easter egg I have for you. It's one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs that you never hear. No one else plays it. It's off the White Christmas album, but it's not in the movie. Uh, it's Ben Crosby, of course. You know who should cover this, Don Cooper? I just thought of this. Tell me this is not a genius idea. You ready? A cover of Christmas in Killarney mm-hmm. by Bono. Bono? I would have never thought of that. We need to do that. We need to get him on that. You know him, right? Let him know. All right, on the yeah, I'll give him a call poll. tonight. Yeah, give, a, give a call on the way home tonight, like you often do. Uh, on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, talk about Killarney. Uh, how confident are you that Donald Trump would win in November? 69% say they are somewhat confident. 26% say they're very confident. And 5% say they're not confident. And that's our JR poll. We actually will not have one tomorrow, but it's a little different tomorrow. But uh, it'll resume on Thursday, and you can always find it at KTSA.com. I'm going to leave you a little more Christmas in Killarney, because I think we need to familiarize Bono with it. And you have a great night. I will see you at Rappin' with Jack. The prettiest picture you've ever seen is Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. It's nice to know to kiss your bow while cuddling under the mistletoe. And Santa Claus, you know, of course, is one of the boys from home. The door is always open, the neighbors pay a call. And Father John, before he's gone, will bless the house and all. How grand it feels to click your heels and join in the fun of the jigs and reels. I'm handing you no blarney, the likes you've never known. It's Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Christmas in Killarney is wonderful to see. Listen to my story and I'll take you back with me.